remembers it. I said, how did it go? He said, yeah, the puck kind of hit the cement, rolled around, and ended up behind me. So not very good. Here's Vancouver's Brock Besser. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Live in 5, baby. Episode number 21, live here, as always, DJ Swish reporting from Scottsdale, Arizona, North Scottsdale to be specific, joined by my co-host, Gage Azo Osmus. Folks, that is the captain to all you out there. We are brought to you by, as always, Butter Golf and Mini Movers. Mini Movers is the official moving company of Live in 5, Folks, like we always say over here, low and slow, baby. If you need something moved, if you have a significant other that maybe you're moving in with her, she needs something moved. Maybe she's moving into your place. Maybe vice versa. Maybe you're just, you know, done with that old shitty place and you want something new and fresh. Well, get a quote today from the good fellas over at Mini Movers. They will get you done up. Crispy Rice. Head over to their socials and or Gay Joshua. You're looking at the guy right now. So, folks, again, Minimovers.com. Go check that out. A free quote today and brought to you by, as always, the official lifestyle and apparel brand over here at Live and Five, Butter Golf. Ozzy, we just launched our official, unofficial all-star game tee. We teamed up with the boys from Just Dishin. Those guys are, well, they're the official collection sponsor of the Chicago Blackhawks. They're guys out of Buffalo, the Rust Belt, Chippewa Street to be specific. So, Really cool. Those tees just launched on our socials at Butter Golf. I've retweeted them myself. So fired up for those. Hopefully we can get some of the all-stars, the actual players in some of those shirts because I will be boots on the ground for the all-star game in a couple weeks. Ozzy, before we get to the weekend recap, just want to keep pumping our socials over here, brother, giving our YouTube a little love. That is Live in 5 2024 on YouTube. We have our YouTube short clips, the social clips we post on our Instagram and our Twitter, as well as you can watch just the interviews in terms of the live game film with our guest. I think it just enhances the experience. So every click and subscription to that really helps us comment, get at us, let us know what we're doing, whether you like it, whether you don't. Everything always helps, Ozzy. So please click and subscribe to that. So I want to snap it over to you, Ozzo. How was the weekend, brother? What were you get up to? And you got that nice Letterman's jacket on right now, that David Letterman's jacket. Is that strictly from a mini movers line, or what do you got there? Is that just for the captain, or yeah. you got all the photos? Yeah, so look at these. So we so I actually got um, – we moved this guy. He had an old trucking company, and he had four of these jackets, just straight black, nothing on them, um, in his closet, and he he didn't need them, so he gave us two of them. Clint and I got a couple moving lettermans made up. We got all these patches designed. Um, kind of kind of expensive to get patches designed, you know, up front, but now if we want to make more, they're going to be a lot cheaper. So. I think uh, in the future, all the boys will have a Letterman for sure. I think that's just the, the kind of look that we want. You know, I love the old shop. Got your name on the front gauge, just first name. You know, yeah. that's a shop feel, you know, work. Blue collar feel there. Um, but, yeah, my weekend, obviously, it's it wasn't as good as yours, Jordo. I think that's what we're going to want to spend some time on. I've got some questions for you on your weekend. Mine was essentially just watching football, watching playoff football, Um Saturday was great. Sorry, Jordo. I thought the pack 
I was actually oh. pulling from that game. I thought the pack uh, had that game. Were they uh, in it, Ozzy? Like in terms of were they in the game? Because I wasn't able to watch that game at all. I was just following along on my tweets. They were the and- better team. They were the better team all game. They they oh. should have won the game. Like it, it was tough. Like I was expecting the pack almost to kind of. I know I I took them to to you know cover which they did, but man, they they looked better than the Niners. They they were the better team, and they were playing in San Francisco. So it was just it's kind of heartbreaking to see them lose um, that game, um, and and kind of Jordan Love went down like Brett Favre did with the Vikings a little bit through a dumb interception that kind of yep. ended the game. But um, yeah, that was tough. And then obviously you know you got Josh Allen on the Bills. They're finally in Buffalo taking them on, and they just can't get it done, man. Against Patty Mahomes, Patty Mahomes is just. He's on another level in the playoffs, man. It's just it's insane. So guy just yeah, the guy was, just finds yeah. a way. He just finds a way. He just does. But yeah, I mean that was my weekend, Jordan. Fill us in on yours. You got hockey night in, in Scottsdale, up in Alberta and in Calgary for the battle of battle of Alberta, the BOA. Um, how does that? How was that, Jordan? You know, and, and how do you set that up? The Battle of Ferda Berta, as I was calling it, to everyone that was there, just pumping the old Ferdiness, you know, the word Ferdazi for the boys, the Ferda Berta Bowl. Yeah, man, it was great. I mean, we went up there on Friday. We got in. We kind of told ourselves, hey, we're going to take it easy tonight. We're maybe fly in. We get in about 5 o'clock, head over to the Cactus Club, obviously a Canadian chain staple similar to a Moxie's, a Joey. All these places, Ozzy, seem like they have the same goddamn menu. You walk in there, you get an Irish coffee, or you get a fro- some sort of frozen drink, I believe, at Cactus Club. It's called the Bellini, and you just start going. You order the chili chicken. You get the lettuce wraps. Every one of these places has the same goddamn menu. It's hilarious. It is like copied each other. It's a copycat league up there. So yeah. what do we do? We you know check the bags in at the hotel, at the Marriott there, coat check everything else, get right in the cab, over to Cactus. We start spinning it up, having a lot of drinks. We're excited. And then, you know, it starts turning into go for one, stay for two, home by three kind of night. We're chatting up some of the local people. They're all coming to the show, which was pretty cool. Guys coming in from Edmonton, local people. So, you know, not only there for the Battle of Alberta, but to come over and see the Hockey Night in Scottsdale show, which I was, it was pretty cool. You know, I had the heat that he has a big following north of the border. So those people were not only to come coming to see him, but as well as just check out, you know, the, the live show. And, you know, there was a lot of people that actually do watch Hockey Night in Scottsdale. So, it was cool, man. But to back it up, yeah, I, I think just how I set that up was is I had an in with a gal that worked at Cowboy. She's a longtime bottle service girl. So like two months ago, maybe three months ago, I, I reached out to her just to get a number in terms of someone in the managerial general manager aspect over at Cowboys because that's a big production over there. They do a lot of things for the Stampede up there. It's a casino. So it's it's really regulated in terms of who they bring in, this and that. So I was able to get some pretty good traction in terms of just basically cold calling and selling ourselves of what we're doing for views, getting a live show mm-hmm. set up, what we think we could bring in for the amount of people. So, yeah, that's kind of how that thing transpired, Azo. And one thing led to another. They flew us up there. They kind of took care of everything. And we were able to to draw about, I would say, I think they ticketed 300 people. Now, the roads were a little bad. I think there was 700 to 800 tickets reserved, but we were still able to get 300-odd people. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I, I've never It looked like really a good crowd. Told- it was a great yeah. crowd, and I've never really thrown myself into the fire. Yes, we did that show at North Dakota, but that was a, a little bit different at Joe Black's. Like this was a legit stage 
and you go up there and yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about hockey, but mostly Ozzy, it was like live comedy, brother. Like you're throwing yourself right into the yeah. fire of like improv. You got to have jokes teed up. <laughs> you got to be talking for about an hour straight and you got to be able to read the crowd. Like I noticed right away, none of them wanted to hear anything about hockey. They wanted to hear the X-rated jokes. Uh-huh. They wanted to talk about the waitress with the big tits and what we're you know doing oh, up sure. there. Canadian Canadian women being a little bit hornier. Jokes like that were really hitting with them as opposed to actually talking about how many minutes Blake Coleman's going to play tonight or how has Rasmus Anderson's game been this year, yeah. you know, to the season or how is Mackenzie Weger on the power play over Anderson? Like they didn't want to hear any about that. They didn't want to hear about McDavid. They didn't want to hear about dry settle. So. It was pretty funny, but I think the guy that made the entire show, Ozzy, as I named him, and he was cool with this, so it's it's all good, but there was a guy front row when we first sat down after I gave Bobby Gucci a little bit of a Chicago Bulls intro. He was sitting mm-hmm. front row, just all jacked up on Mountain Dew. I mean, this is a Western Canadian to a T. I think he drove in from rural Sask, but I looked down. He's got a backwards Heatley jersey on. He's got his fight strap tied down in the front because, remember, he always got a tie down. His chin was tucked. He had a drink in his right arm, but his right arm, he only had one arm. So we were, I was calling him the one-arm bandit, and he was absolutely loving it. This kid was probably 22, 23 <laughs> years old, and he was the one-arm bandit, and he was going nuts the whole show. I mean, to the point where he was interrupting us after everything we said, dying laughing. He ended up taking the mic in mm-hmm. between that set a little bit. We went to break after a, a beer pong game, similar to what we did at Joe Black's. He grabs the mic. He requests, let me show you how country feels by Randy Hauser, and he puts on a clinic. He kills the whole song. So, I mean, it was pretty cool, man. And, and just meeting people that were generally interested in the Hockey Night yeah. Scottsdale show afterwards and even a little bit in between. I mean, it was a full-on wrench fest, but even walking around Calgary, walking around the, the Saddle Dome for the game, like, a lot of people obviously knew who the Heat Daddy was, but they were. I was amazed at how much they were in tune with Hockey Night in Scottsdale mm-hmm. and the show and the live stream. So, yeah, it was cool. Also, I just think like, man, you know, it's a bender. You got to kind of get into character, oh, and you got to be a professional. Just, yeah, you got to be a professional, and we're going on the road again here. But I mean, it's crazy. Like that province up there. 18 to booze like I, I thought it was walking around at a a little bit like you know because we went back there after the game I thought we were walking around a high school party for a little bit I'm like Jesus Christ like I'm 30 years old can we just go back in the green room and kind of snap it around and just get our bearings back because they did have us set up really nicely with the table up top like a little out of the way but I was like after all of that and especially meeting all these people I was like can we just get to the green room for a little bit and just hang out so that was cool but that was probably the coolest part Ozzy was hanging out in the green room before the show. Like I had like nerves, like I was going in like a, a frozen four oh, yeah. type game, like walking out of the tunnel with my mic on, like, let's fucking go Gucci. Come on, baby. We better I, not fucking bomb this thing. I <laughs> saw the video, you guys walking out of that room. And it was like, I got some chills. I was like, I saw you guys walking out and you're like, let's go baby. And I was like, fuck, yeah. that's nails. Like coming out of the locker room. Like, yeah, that, that was, that had to have been a good feel. I love that little locker room setup. You know, you get the, you know, you get to prepare in there a little, you know, kind of get a little nervous, but you're also, you know, preparing and maybe having some drinks in there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's got to be the best part of it. You feel like you're yeah. VIP. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I mean, we're two essential pigeons over here, but it, it felt like we were the main stage of the act. It felt like legit. I was felt like I was doing stand up comedy. We're in the green room. We had the beats pill going. I had the, I had the tunes going, you know, setting the vibe. We were drinking tequila, obviously a proven upper. I had my shit kickers on. We were sitting back there. Shout out to Curfew Princey. So that guy is the producer of Missing Curfew, Ozzy. 
He does a lot of stuff for them, but he does it remote. He's a Calgary guy, and he came down to the show. He was able to capture some game film of us just hanging out, especially in the green room, and then live on the stage too. So he was a big help. So shout out to Princey there just helping us out because that was that was a big-time help. He, he really kind of got us dialed in. You know, made us feel calm. He's just, you know, giving us a little bit of idea. Just good vibes. Like a team, right? You need a glue guy. You need a guy that coming in yeah, there. That's the mode. We had a bottle service girl chilling with us too. So we had the whole team. I mean, we had the top six, the middle six. We were, you know, all full that way. So it was really cool. And, you know, the Battle of Alberta, they we had kind of nosebleed seats, but that that arena is so funny at the Saddle Dome, bro. Like it's just so chunky. It has character, yes, but it's so goddamn old. Like they need a new barn so bad there because it's like <laughs> yeah. three levels. And that saddle, the top of the, the roof, like is literally caved in to the point of like this thing could fall on someone's chin at any second. And it's amazing, <laughs> like the third level seats, like I don't even know if you can see the ice from up there because it's like the roof is so caved in and you're so high up there. Like I think you're just looking like at the top of the scoreboard. Like it was crazy. So it was pretty cool though. They the one thing people kept telling us all weekend was you gotta get the dome foam beers. So I guess if you have like two or three of these, which we did. Like it just it hits you different. I don't think they clean the pipes. It's like a, a stripper in cobble. They need the pipes cleaned a little bit because they were just so <laughs> disgusting. Like some mm-hmm. sort of stench or chemicals in there. Like you have two of them, you're just sideways. And that's exactly how I felt leaving the saddle dome after that Battle of Alberta game going back to Cowboys. So could have been the nineteen tequilas too before, but who knows? So yeah, man, it was I a great you, time. Jordo, I saw you guys also uh I saw you guys also did a little happy Gilmore. You signed some fake nukes. Um, and the yeah. people are wondering, is that the most expensive material item you've ever signed before? I think, I mean, bought and paid for MSRP. I asked her how much they were. They went for about 11,000 Canadian. Now I don't know what the conversion on that as to date on, as we're sitting here, one twenty three twenty four. So I think that set was a couple of years ago while the dollar was more comparable to the U S dollar. So well, let's call it 11,000 yeah. USD, but yeah, the crazy thing was is I wanted to sign a set. I had mentioned it that week prior on Hockey Night in Scottsdale. Like, I want to go full Happy Gilmore. I want to sign a set. So if anyone's listening, can we please get this done? Now, this girl wasn't listening because she happened to work there. But I was like, can I sign your set? Like, I, I just need to sign a set of nukes. And she's like, yeah, no problem. Done. So I end up signing her set. Gucci signs it too. And then Ozzy, after the show, we're sitting in this booth where it was like roped off. And this girl comes over to me and Gucci, but she's like, I want to talk to Swish. I'm like, okay, what's up? She goes, can you sign my tits? I go, well, I don't have a Sharpie on me. She's like, how do you not have a Sharpie on you? That's all you were talking about on Hockey Night in Scottsdale on Wednesday. I'm like, well, fuck, how do you not have a Sharpie if you want them signed? You get jammers in my face. Get a Sharpie for me, baby. Sorry, I don't have a pen. So, oh, man, it was it was white. It was full on white trash, but just like me. So it, I fit in right at home. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really cool, Ozzy. I think the highlight of the week was just that walkout, getting out there, and then after it was mm-hmm. it was all Hector off. So the Saddle Dome, that place, that place stinks. I, I think we got to get up there one year for the Stampede, though. I think me and Gucci might be going back there for another Battle of Ferberta, Ferdaberta. I think that'll be on April the sixth. Now we're gonna kind of renegotiate our deal in terms of different things contractually but i think if we can get back up there for that and establish a really good relationship with the people at cowboys because they essentially run the whole stampede i think one year mm-hmm. got to get up there for the stampede bro i've always heard that i've always been told especially by a guy named andrew mcwilliam 
I know he's yeah. a he's an Alberta boy. He loves the stampede, and I've I've always heard good things, man. It's one of the things I got to get up and do at some point. I know it's you know the times times ticking away, but um, that's definitely something we got to do. I, I definitely have to get up there and, and get a little rodeo action in me, especially in Calgary. It's it seems it sounds unbelievable. Yeah, just the setup up there is. is it, even where the saddle dome is, it's just straight rodeo grounds. I mean, it's just built for that. And then it, everything just funnels back to, right to the jaw of this Cowboys place. And they're putting in a hotel actually there. I don't think it's going to be done for maybe four or five years, they were saying. But, yeah, I just think if we could get up there and especially having a decent relationship with those people up there now and hopefully continue yeah. it on, I think that could be pretty cool and get set up really nicely. And then, you know, this Cowboys tent that I'm hearing about for the Stampede just gets going. They have great action. Yeah. And they've had anyone from Brooks and Dunn to Diplo up there, Tim McGraw. So they've had everyone up there. But, yeah, also, I, it, was a, it was a great time. I cannot wait to get back up there and just, yeah, those dome. I mean, you're going here. New York City. You're going New York City this weekend, right? So, like, you've already got your second show right back to back. Like, how good are you feeling yep. about this one? you, you got to be feeling a little more comfortable the second time around, kind of know what works, know what doesn't. I mean, this crowd will be a little different, probably a little older, a little more yep. East Coastern, but you got to be, you know, you feeling pretty good about this one coming up here too, though. Yeah, I think so. And I think it, you when you throw yourself into the fire like that, I think for me, I think I probably have to have a little bit more written down in terms of comedic one-liners that I can go back mm -hmm. to, just like all comedians do, like, I didn't really picture myself going into this having to do a, a hour bit like comedy. I thought we'd talk more about the game. But if the crowd doesn't want to feel any of the hockey because they've got three sheets to the win and they're so goddamn drunk like these people, all they want to do is laugh. So now I got to adjust my game to honestly play a little bit more like Gucci. So now I got to play off sure. him with his one-liners, where if we're talking hockey, I would say he's playing off me. So yeah. it's funny how that works and how you really have to read the room like, initially i was kind of we were like five or six minutes in maybe 10 minutes in and gucci's like let's uh let's go to break let's have a, a chug off i'm looking at my phone i'm like buddy we've only been talking for 12 minutes here like i guess we can do our first chug off but like that wasn't that long but it's a lot of material you know you don't oh, realize yeah. how much you're burning through because sure. when you're just rattling off one-liners and, and you don't have a guest or you don't have a third party like you at the at the und show yeah. versus the gopher so it, it it was different but it was cool man and the one quick story, I, it's it's a little off topic, Azo, but I, I want to tell it because it, it kind of sets the stage for the, the, how the whole week went. So on Wednesday or Thursday, Gucci wanted to go watch some – that's the heat daddy, by the way, folks, Robbie Gucci. wanted to go watch some basketball. He wanted to go watch a, a couple of the NHL games just at a bar right by my place. So he drives up. We ended up just having a couple, and I was actually not drinking that night, so I was strictly on the coffee, not even the Irish Aussie. You'd be proud of me. Just strictly nice. waters and coffee. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of hot tea to coat the throat for the big weekend in prep. And I knew we were going to be getting in one probably Friday or Saturday, maybe even Sunday, trying to sweat it out. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink tonight. Gooch, if you want to fire it, I'll be there. I'll be a wingman for you. Sit there and have some fun. So we end up going to this place called which is right by me. Sit there just in the bar, cool bar. They got live tunes in there. We're just watching a couple of the games. And then that place closes pretty early. It's like 10 o'clock. So we go over to this place called which is just right around the corner. We walk over there again, right by my place, and we go sit there. And because it's like a two a.m. bar, it's kind of like an industry type place, and they'll stay open for all the workers mm -hmm. to get off. So we start chopping it up there. We're kind of mingling with the people, hanging out, and 
this group of gals and one of their gay friends is like sitting right next to us. So they start chopping it up with us and we're in this booth. They're in the next booth. So David Booth on David Booth. We're sitting right there next to him, kind of hanging out, watching some TV. They end up sliding over to our booth just to hang out again. It's a couple of them. and A couple guys actually was like one gay dude and another guy. Sides. I mean, it doesn't really matter. He's gay, but you got to describe the story here. So we're sitting there. That place closed at two. And the one gal is like a half John Cougar and she's probably 40 years old. She's sitting there and she's telling Gucci, like, I really like your friend. And I'm sitting there. I'm dead sober. I'm like, yeah, okay. But like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a 10, but like, you're, you're a seven, maybe low lit. You know, you're on the back nine, you're 40 years old. You're hanging out, whatever. I didn't really put much stock into it. So Gucci is like, okay, I'm going to get home. I'm going to go home. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to call my Uber. I'm going to go home. I'm like, okay, perfect. And then I'm like, I'm going to walk home. And she's like, where do you live? I'm like, yeah, I live uh, just over here, right across the street. She's like, no way. Same. So she's like, that building? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. So same building. So she's like, why don't you stop by my place? So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll stop up to your place, whatever. Start hanging out a little bit. You know, she's got a nice big TV. It's about an 85 inch. I was like, wow, you really put me to shame. <laughs> so we're sitting there. She's a little buzzed. You know, she had probably one or two. Again, I'm dead sober. So she starts wanting to shadow box me, let's politely put it. And, you know, the, mm. the laundry's coming off, the gitch is coming off, and we start doing a little thing. You know, I'm just kind of seeing where this is going. And I get to the point where, Ozzy, as a man, you probably make up your mind like, yeah, okay, I'll do this, whatever. So I start doing that, you know, playing the six string down low, the old tickler, you know, whatever, doing that. And this stench out of nowhere just hits me to the point where I can't do it anymore. I'm talking, I've never smelled anything like this before. So what do I do? I, I want to be explicit, but I also, I know my mom's probably listening. So we'll keep it as PG-13 as we can. So I get this stench where I've never, it's like tuna in a can that's been sitting in the sun and death oh, alley in July. Like just awful. So I go to the bathroom. And I panic and I, my, my, all my gears <laughs> off at this point. I mean, oh, she's yeah. got a one bedroom, one bath and we're in the living room on our couch and I don't have any gear on. So I go to the bathroom and I call Gucci. I go, Gucci, yeah, I need you to talk to me right now. What do I do? And he's like, man, you just got to ride it out. I go, fuck that. So I end up <laughs> staying in the bathroom for like three to five minutes. I finally muster up enough self-confidence and jam to go back out there. She's sitting right there again. No, no gitch on laundries everywhere. I don't really say a word. I just grab all my stuff and just beeline it out of there. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm out of here. She goes, what? I just leave. And she, I'm like, uh, do you want my number? She's like, nope. I'm like, perfect. And I just beelined it out of there. That was the night on Wednesday no night. So it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, Ozzy, I, I mean, come on. What, what do you do in that situation? Do you do the same thing? I wanted to ask you because I, if, even if I had an N95 certified Tony Fauci mask on, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, it was disgusting. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think as guys, you know, we've all, I think a lot of us have dealt with something along these lines a little bit um, where right. in terms of, you know, you get a really bad stench. Now, this but is it a could stench. Be, it, could be a two, it could be a two-way street. Sorry to interrupt you, Oz. Like you're, yeah, you're yeah. not that smell after a, a night on Easily. the dance floor, too. So Easily. it goes both ways. It always throws both. But back to you. Sorry, I just wanted to put that in there. It do, it does go both ways. And and I just think the, the girls are at a little bit of a disadvantage. 
Um, I feel like what they have down there is a little more susceptible to, um, you know, taking on some some of that bad stink. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the deal is we we all know that smell. the The girl has to be able to smell it, right? Or else, like, there's no oh, way yeah. she's just like, there's no way she's just like, oh, this there's no smell. Like, she has to smell it too, right? Like, has to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was looking around the bathroom for the Febreze just for her own sake so she could sleep at night. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. Like, so, but Ozzy, what, besides the smell, like, everyone, you know, they got the image in their head about that. What yeah, do you like, do what now? Are you doing? What do you do now, though, right, as me walking around the same building as this girl who only lives one floor up? I've been taking the stairs. I know. I've been, I never take the stairs. I don't want to see this person. I'm, you know, kind of in stealth mode. I wish I had the Harry Potter Hogwarts cloak on where I could just walk around and wrap it around me so I don't have to see this person because you know after amount of time I'm going to run into them. And it always happens. And like, what do you do? Do I act like nothing happened? Do I put my shades on no matter when I step outside my door? Like I was I talking to my, you know, one of my uncles about this. I'm just like, holy fuck. Like what, what do I do, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst part. That's the worst part. Like if this, if this lady doesn't live anywhere near you, you, you know, there's, you know, probably a hundred percent chance you'll never see her again. It's not a big right. deal at all. It's just like, Oh yeah, you're leaving. Obviously I think you ask, you know, what am I doing in that situation? I'm doing the exact same thing you did. I'm getting the fuck out of there for sure. You can't, you can't go through with it because it's only going to get worse. You know, you're going to start gagging. You're, you're going to get soft. You know, it's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be way worse if you end up staying. So you have to leave. And I don't think it, there's a question why you're leaving. Cause she obviously has, to know like oh kind of scared him off with that you know what with what went out with what what happened but and that's the thing as well is like you know you see her again in the elevator like it's just an awkward hey how's it going like it's not a big deal but that's that's the deal is like that sucks you are probably going to see her at least once or twice again and yeah that's terrible i just feel like i'm in a i feel like i'm in a dorm right now i'm kind of walking i'm looking around you are. Now, as a 30-year-old man and a 40-year-old woman, which he claimed she was, that's just a little bit different. I mean, that night I was so rattled, Ozzy. I was on Zillow. You know, I was thinking, oh, fuck, how much could I sell this place for? Do I got to move? You know, I'm just like, I left a pair of nice Jordan socks in there, too. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, I fucking love, love my shack, but oh, my God, I don't know if I could be walking around with this person knowing that she's only one level up. So she said she was a homebody, yeah. so Ozzy, I hope she doesn't come out of that home anytime soon, especially the hours <laughs> I'm using the elevator. Um, but, yeah, brother, uh, it was just hilarious. I mean, me and the oh, Heat Daddy had a awesome. great laugh at that one. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I try to be an open book over here. I got to tell it how it is, and I had to share that one with you. But we'll leave, the stinky, yeah, we'll leave the stinky barn there, and we'll go over back to the Alberta. Speaking of stinky barns, that is the Saddle Dome. I was there, boots on the ground for that game. Battle of Alberta, Azo, the Ferta Berta Bowl. I, it got a little greasier this week. A couple of days ago, Edmonton has signed the 38-year-old veteran, Corey Scory Perry. He comes in on a league minimum deal with a little bit of a 35 and up bonus structure. I love this ad. He adds a little sandpaper to that bottom six. A guy that can still play net front on a power play. Power play probably number two with Edmonton, but... The hottest team in the league right now has won 13, maybe 14 games in a row as we are recording. So mm-hmm. I love this ad, though. Corey Perry back in the mix. Great I just ad. think in terms of, you know, comment on this a little bit with Corey Perry. Do you like the signing? And also the Battle of Alberta, it, it needs a little more jam. I was at that game, and you're thinking Western Canadians. You're thinking big boy hockey. You're thinking Lucic, Cassian, 
McGratton, some of these names, and it just didn't mm-hmm. have any of that. It was a pretty soft vanilla game. So just st- touch on Corey Perry to start, and we'll kind of get into you know the old school Battle of Alberta because I just think it's it's mi- missing a lot of pieces right now. Yeah, well, about the the Corey Perry thing, you know, we talked about it last week. Um, obviously, someone's going to sign him, and and you know, I brought up last week how you know we talked about when you when you do something wrong, you just have to wait until people forget. So. Clearly, people have forgotten um, enough about Corey Perry's mistake that uh, he was able to be signed, which is great for him. I think he, you know, like we, like you said last week, Jordan, I, I don't think he should have ever gotten kicked off a team for what he did um, or allegedly did whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great signing for Edmonton. Things are looking up there. I mean, they got the new coach. You know, we haven't talked about that, Jordo. Like, how much does this have to do with the new coach and just these guys just deciding to play now? Because um, obviously they're yeah. one of the best teams in the national right now. It's just like, did they just decide to play? Or is this the coach is doing? Who knows? But again, yeah, you're going 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 on to the Battle of Alberta. I think like two, maybe even last year, two years ago, it was a big deal because the Flames had a contender team. They had, they had some tough guys on the team. But yeah, you're right. Now, this year, it's just, you know, I didn't really have any interest in watching it because Calgary sucks. They don't really have – I don't love the guys and, like, you know, they get, they get Huberto in there and, like, Huberto's this huge big-time player and they, they swap out Matty Kachuk for Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. It's like, oh, that was a brutal trade for the identity of the Calgary Flames. Like, you don't want to go from Matthew Kachuk to, you know – Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, great players, unbelievable players. They ain't Matty Kachuk, and they're not Alberta. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, that they they definitely need to. I don't know if the the Flames and Edmonton don't have enough hate there between them anymore, or if the teams just aren't as competitive as they used to be. But yeah, it's just it's it wasn't really and it wasn't really intriguing to watch to me or as an outside fan. Yeah, that's what I was kind of feeling as I was sitting in an absolute nosebleeds. I tweeted out, somebody grab the sniffers because I need a fucking Kleenex over here the way they packed us up in that upper bowl. But, yeah, I was having the same thoughts watching that game. And you made a great point last week talking about Corey Perry. And you always see it with the media people out there that never played the game. And this is no offense to them. They just never played. And you brought up a great point last week where – Nobody gives a shit what Corey Perry did in the locker room in Edmonton. Like they, they don't care what happened in no. Chicago. I'm sure they have a great idea what did happen. We have a good idea what happened. It wasn't to the point where he should have got terminated. That that contract should not have gotten terminated. It was what happened in Chicago prior that they were so horny to just make right mm. and make sure nothing slipped the cracks on their end doing their due diligence to protect themselves. So whatever happened there clearly wasn't enough for Gary Bruce Bettman to be like, hey, Corey Perry, you're not going to be reinstated. Also, Corey Perry is going to file a grievance for his contract, and he will end up probably getting at least a portion of his salary back from the Chicago Blackhawks because the NHLPA wants to protect their players. So that is on that. But you make another good point with the Battle of Alberta. I just think when you trade a guy like Huberto, he comes in, he was driving a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Now he's got the mm-hmm. F-150 deal or the GMC Denali. Like, it just doesn't work. He doesn't seem like himself. He seems depressed. I mean, he doesn't. And then you get a depreciating asset with Kadri, who you thought maybe you're going to get the same player as he was in Toronto and Colorado. But even him, I think those dog days up there just hit you harder. And Ozzy, don't you think it's a little bit on just, and this is no disrespect to Canada, but it just seems that way. 
the Calgary Flames, they have a hard time of bringing guys in and also keeping their restricted free agents or their unrestricted free agents. I mean, a guy like Lindholm, he wants out. He's their number one center. Kachuk, I know. he's gone. Gaudreau had no interest. Noah Hannafin was reportedly offered 8 by 8 at the start of the year. 64 bananas, and he doesn't want it. He's like, you know what? I don't want to sign here. I want to wait. So clearly, he doesn't want to be there. It's got to be so hard to really structure the makeup of your team when you constantly lose these big-time pieces, these core pieces. I think if you're Calgary, I think you got to look at probably moving Lindholm, probably trying to get some guys on entry levels, restricted free agents, some picks, guys that you can draft and at least keep them for seven-odd years because once you know as you get to after that second contract, Ozzo, and you get into UFA – you can't really keep these guys. And it seems apparent in Calgary that these guys don't want to stay there long term. I mean, Hannafin, like good player, I but know. you're turning down sixty-four million. Like, who's to say you're gonna get that anywhere else? That clearly shows me you yeah. don't want to fucking be there. Do you do you know anyone there, Jordo? Because yeah, like it's it's clearly it must not be that good of an organization or they don't run it properly because you know, you could be on a bad team or, or a team you don't really feel is headed in the right direction, but if it's ran properly and you feel you like you're treated well and people care there, I feel like guys are willing to stay and build something. But it seems like yeah. no one wants to stay there and build something. So it's like, is that, have you heard anything like that? Or like I, the I organization think, yeah. is just kind of... I think also I think a lot of it's on the the rink. I really do. I think it's on the saddle dome. I mean, if you look at their home yeah. locker room, it's something that you'd find at maybe Purple Ice Rink in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Like it's not perfect, man. It's so outdated. And you look at the guys that they were able to bring in via trade and sign. Okay, you look the last few years. Who have you got? You've got Markstrom. Well, you had to overpay him as a goalie. You gave him six by six. Then you look at Kadri, the only team that was really looking to give him a seven-year deal at about seven bananas. So you really overpaid on Kadri, gave him about $50 million. Then you trade Kachuk because he wants out of there. Who do you get back? You get Huberto and you get Uyghur. Well, you really overpaid on both those guys. Hoobie Doobie Doo is making almost $11 million for the next eight years. He's clicking at maybe a 40-point pace. And then Uyghur, a good defenseman. But to me, I don't think he's a 65, a 6.5 AAV defenseman on an eight-year deal. So look at the guys that you've ultimately ended up getting – well, you've locked up guys that you had to overpay for via trade or UFA. So now all the guys that you have in-house or you drafted, they want out of there because they're looking at this team. They're like, well, we're not very good. Our rink sucks. And I don't know if I love living in Calgary, if I can go live somewhere else. I and mean, that's no disrespect, right? Mm-hmm. It just is what it is, right? If the sun's going down at 3 p.m. or you could go play in L.A. or you could go play in Florida with no state tax, I don't know, and especially as Americans, this just seems to be a little bit of a trend in terms of guys wanting out of Calgary. Now, listen, if you get the rink and you build a little bit around that, well, maybe you could make it like a little bit of a mini Edmonton, Ozzy, in terms of you have the nicest rink in the league. Now that attracts guys to come play here. Now you have some young, good players, good core around you. That really changes everything. I mean, fuck, you're talking to two guys that went to University of North Dakota. I mean, I know you live there and you're from there, but – Hey, brother, that rink, that's what got me there, you know, if I'm being honest. That's what I got mean, me there, too. I live there, and exactly. I went to winter if they didn't have that rink, you know? Right. Like, I think if you – you that's how you build it. You get true hockey players there. Maybe you get some Western Canadians, try to draft Western Canadians, guys that are familiar with the area. Maybe you have to overpay a little bit, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I think that's probably enough on Calgary, but it's interesting, and we'll see how that shakes out. So the Battle of Alberta – 
bottom line, let's get some steel chins in there. Guys throwing both ways. Let's get that fucking rivalry back where Kachuk's blowing up Cassian and then Cassian's dragging him across the ice, throwing lefts on him. He's turtling. So let's get that Battle of Alberta back and buzzing because Western Canada deserves some big boy fuck you hockey, Azo. So moving over east, I want to get your thoughts on, well, Lou Island, the Providence gangster, as I call him, shook the headlines across the National Hockey League about three days ago when he announced the hiring of Patty Waugh. Personally, I love this move. This is a coach that has big-time jam. I think he's fueled by emotion, I believe. At least, you know, according to my sources, he's a lot better tactically than he gets credit for, so I think he's a really good coach. And for whatever reason, it just seemed like Lane Lambert, I probably he's probably a good guy, but it just didn't seem like he had a pulse, Also, He seemed monotone. He seemed vanilla. He seemed like a calm demeanor, but also at the same time, like no jam, no fuck you. So you bring in a guy with a big time presence, a guy that's won, a guy that's coached in the league has had success again at the QMJHL level, the major junior level. So what are your thoughts on Patty Wap back in the mix? Personally, I love it. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great hire for the, the Islanders team. I think they needed something. I think they have veterans. They have older guys who have been in the league for a while. Um, I don't think that you're seeing like a, a bad roster. I just think they needed the right coaching and you might as well switch things up. Like, did you see the first practice or pregame skate? Patty Waugh ran with the team. I mean, he's in their face, you know, fucking dialing them in, you know, he's, he's being hard on them. I mean, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need something like that. And I don't know. I, I watched that video and I love that intensity coming out of Patty Waugh. You know, he just coached a bunch of junior kids. And I know, you know, when you go coach junior kids to professionals, it's a lot different. Like these junior kids, you can treat them like absolute piles. You can say whatever they, you want to them. You're Patty Wah. Now you get to the NHL, you got to be a little more careful. These guys are, you know, they're adults. They've, they've, you know, already kind of engraved their name into the hockey's history. Um, so they've got a little, it's just a little different. I, th- I, I just feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're getting paid more than you. So it's just a little different feel. But I feel like Patty Wah's a guy who can kind of, get the players to listen to him and get them to buy into this system. And I feel like whenever you're that intense of a coach, you need the players to buy in because if they don't buy in, it's absolutely not going to work. But I feel like these guys are mature enough and they're old enough that they know what it takes. And I feel like his coaching style will do well with them. I just, I just do. I know he wasn't, you know, he coached the Avs for, what, three years, Jordan? He wasn't, like, that bad of a coach. He actually – I think he had winning records. Um, yep. And I, I outside mean, of that, he's um, only – go ahead. No, I was going to say he brought him to the playoffs that one year when no one expected them to make the playoffs. Yeah. He ultimately resigned from the Avs, too. I think it was mutual. But I think at the end of the day, I think it was Patty Waugh's decision to kind of walk away from the Avalanche job and, and just be like, I'll wait for my second chance. And I think it took him – obviously longer than he thought to get that second chance. And he comes in here with a chip on his shoulder. But also one thing I wanted to ask you, bro, like, so this is one of the worst teams in the league defensively, especially in their own end. I mean, they were a nightmare the way they were playing. Now you see Patty Waugh comes in and you see quotes like this from Matthew Barzell is, you know, Patty Waugh is really preaching, holding on to the puck, more of a puck possession game, using their D's mm-hmm. ability to skate down the wall and pinch to keep those plays alive, as you know, in the offensive zone and really extend zone time. Now, that's music to a guy like that, Barzell, his ears, right? He even said oh, yeah. it. It's music to my ears. So any offensive player wants to hear that. 
And I guess in years past with Trotz and Lambert, I think they were really technical. I think they wanted to play to the team's strength. I think they're an older team, a little bit slower. They wanted to play really good defensively because they had a lot of good defensemen, again, that had long reaches, could kind of smother you in the corners, play hard around the net. But when you look at the makeup of this roster, like, can you really skin a cat this way? Can you teach an old dog new tricks? Like, are they still going to be the same fucking boring Islanders? I know. With how are they not? Like, how you know are they I mean? not? Like, be, what can you do? Yeah. What can yeah. you really do? Can you really you, you change know, like, those guys? They've been playing like that forever now. That's what I mean. And that's why I wanted to ask you. It's like, we're two assholes sitting here on a podcast, but I don't know if you can really technically change them in a year's time or, you know, three or four months leading into the playoffs here. It's just, it seems like it's a big task. Now, yes, you can clean up things defensively. You can add a little bit more of an aggressive style of play in terms of playing downhill on the attack, playing a North game, pinching on the walls. All that is great. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of mold this team into what they really are because they're bottom six, bro. Like they've been playing the same way for 10 years under Trotz and Lambert. It's just like mm -hmm. chip it out, live the fight another day. Hopefully Matty Barzell or Brock Nelson can tuck a few and we're going to win 2-1. But it seems like the boys really like Patty Wall, though. Like Varlamov, who we had in Colorado with the Avalanche, like he's saying, I'm not going to lie. His was his quote. I'm not going to lie. I had goosebumps when he got hired. So it seems like the fellas are really fired yeah. up. Like looking on the outside, I think I'd really like to play for Patty Wall. I think he seems like a colorful character that brings a lot to the game and probably a little bit of a snap show. And I kind of like that. I kind of like it too. And if you're a guy, you know, who treats hockey or the sport seriously, like most of them do, you know, there's obviously some athletes out there who don't treat their sports seriously, but if you come into the rink every day and you're wanting to win, you're wanting to be successful. Um, I just don't see a problem with this guy coming in. You know, he's, it's not like you're questioning him as a player, right? Like he's one of the best goaltenders and players to ever play. And you're not going to question the guy really as a coach because he's got a good coaching resume as well. So how can you not take what this guy says um, as gospel, basically, and just listen to everything he says? I think I would because he's got all the respect. He's earned it. And that's something you need as a head coach to, you know, get your players to play for you. And I think he's already got that instilled in him. Yeah, I agree. It would be interesting to see what really changes in their game because as you know they're always going to be just those old islanders just a boring style of hockey but some years can trap get it done it so trap it up fella so anyways azo last night want to get your thoughts on sydney crosby i was over at the iconic mullet so i sweated out i did two workouts yesterday just trying to get my screws back right from calgary but you know what Anytime the GOAT is in the building, and especially when he's in AZ, you got to go see Sidney Crosby. Did you see that tip by him last night? I mean, I've seen guys, boots on the ground here at the Mullet Arena, McKinnon, McCarr, McJesus, Ovi, Pasta, Drat, Kucherov. All these guys, I've been boots on the ground at the iconic Mullet, chin tucked in my section over there. But that ski ball ramp mid-range tip from Sid, did you see how disgusting that was? I don't think the average fan realizes how yeah. nasty that is. And that's what I tweeted. I was like, as players, as former players, and especially as defensemen, how do you even defend that man? Like, he's like 10 feet off the net. It's crazy. 
It's it's nuts. You, you can't. And he does. He's been doing that shit his whole career. His the, those little, just like you said, if you're just an average hockey fan, you're watching Sidney Crosby. He obviously looks unbelievable. But when you know the game and you know how hard it is and the little details, the little stick movements and all that stuff that plays into it, he is unbelievable at that. He's a magician with his stick. He can tip those pucks. He can ramp them up. Like you said, he's a, he's a fucking skee-ball machine. He's just, he, he's always been doing that, man. And he's, and I, I, you know, ever since McDavid got in the league, you know, the Sidney Crosby talk has kind of tapered down. Um, but people forget how ridiculous that guy was and how ridiculous he has been his entire career. And it doesn't even look like he's taken a step back. Like we, we almost got a fucking LeBron James in the NHL right now. It's crazy. And all the injuries he's battled through, especially the head injuries, seven odd concussions that, that are documented. It's just crazy because people don't realize how good of a tip that is. And we'll roll the clip here, but how he just comes in like into his body with the stick and ramps it up from the toe to the heel of the blade, about 10 to 12 feet off the net through Dermot's legs and beats Ingram high over his shoulder is unbelievable. I was sitting at that end of the rink and I'm like, that is the sickest thing ever. And number two, how the hell does he do it with that stick he uses? That fucking curve is awful. And Azo, that his stick doesn't even come up to his nipples. It's like the worst no. curve you could ever see on a stick. It's a fucking pizza shovel, and he uses it like right up to his nipples, and he's just so low the whole time. Like he was skating better than I've ever seen him skate before. It was crazy how good this guy looks, and he's the only guy in that team right now going. I mean, Malkin, how about Malkin last night? Speaking of guys checked out, like holy fuck, fella, where are you staying this weekend? Are you over at the Phoenician just hanging out? Because number one, why are you using black tape and that? own goal like you couldn't have been more lazy on a play like it was so lackadaisical that guy like you can just tell he hates Mike Sullivan I don't know if it's going to be a coaching change or one of the two is going to get moved essentially Malkin I think is unmovable with making six million for the next two years but is Sullivan gone because it, that team looks so lost besides Sid Ozzo yeah no um the Malkin thing's hilarious I, I feel like that guy's been checked out for years now um I don't he hasn't been the he hasn't been himself for years, and I know last time. I know last time Malkin was in the cities. I think it was two years ago or a year ago or whatever. He was playing Minnesota Wild. Him and Kaprizov were hanging out the night before the game, and I know this because I know a couple of the girls they were with. But um, they were hanging out together just the night before the game. I think <laughs> eating pizza. Like these guys, those guys, don't, those guys do whatever they want. They're Russians. Like there's nothing that can, you know. No one's going to tell them what they can, what they can and can't do. So if Malkin's in Scottsdale and the guy wants to go to Phoenician and he wants to catch a hot tub or, you know, sit by the pool, that's what he's going to do. No one's going to stop him. Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. And he just looks so out of place with that black tape. I think it just looks, it looks stinky there. I just, I don't love the look. So I'm curious at what happens in Pittsburgh. I want to touch on that just coming up here in Swishy Scoops, but Azo Bedard out another six weeks. That is a bummer, my friend. One question I wanted to ask you. Now, does this allow for maybe, just maybe, a kid like Brock Faber a chance or an extended look to maybe slide into that top two or three Calder contention? I mean, he's playing 30-odd minutes a night. His points aren't exactly there. He's on a Minnesota Wild team that struggles. But any guy logging that amount of ice night after night? I know especially as a rookie, I think you got to deserve or you at least deserve to be Calder nomination. I mean, 30 minutes, bro, like that's 
that's no joke for anyone. How how is that not taken into consideration? Why is this? I, guy, I don't know. I mean, it's why are people not? How is that not the biggest stat there should be? Like as a defenseman, if you're playing 30 minutes, that there's no other defenseman in the league playing 30 minutes. There's guys who have played fucking 15 year careers. They've never played 30 minutes in an NHL game. It's like how how is this guy not? I don't know. I I would definitely have him up there. I I would even have him slotted as you know maybe first right now. I don't know who else is who else is close. I know there's forwards with more points, but he's on track to have 50 some points, which if you look at Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, their rookie season, I think Quinn Hughes had 53 points and Kale McCarr had 51. He's on track to have the same exact, you know, rookie campaign those right. guys did. He should right. be in the conversation 100%. And playing that many minutes, it's insane. I just think with Bedard being out another six weeks, I mean, he Faber leapfrogs a guy like Fantilli. Cooley has really tailed off. Who is even really there in terms of that could compete with Bedard and Bedard missing 30 games, I, I think a guy like Faber should really deserve that recognition if he can stay on the same trajectory and play 25 to 30 minutes a night. So that's something we got to keep our eyes on, Azo, out of the northwest woods of the state of hockey. Going over to Swishy Scoops, our little people's insider segment. Things I'm hearing around the league, Azo, with Corey Perry off the market. One team that I believe was really in on trying to get him was the Florida Panthers and Billy Zito. Now, they weren't able to ink the veteran and come to terms. He obviously goes to Edmonton. But one guy, I think, and he's a friend of the show, that is going to get an extended look come the trade deadline or maybe just before, especially from a team like the Florida Panthers, is three-time cup champ, our boy, Patty Maroon. I mean, with the Wild probably not making the playoffs this year, I don't think they're going to be able to do it or sustain any sort of push. That is just my humble opinion. But a guy like this, who's an ultimate glue guy, as we know, great chin. He's got 15 points in 46 games, so he's on pace for about 25 points on a third, fourth line, probably a fourth liner on most teams in terms of a cup contender. But a guy with three mugs and knows how to play, and he can fight anybody. He's going to hit. He's got great hands. How does a team not like Florida or some of these teams looking to add some meat and some veteran presence in their bottom six, especially on their fourth line, not maybe go after this guy because he's not going to cost you anything. He's going to be a, a later-round yeah. pick if that, right? So I think he'll be on the move, especially with Jared Spurgeon being done for the year. I think the Wild, they should probably sell. Now, this mm -hmm. one's interesting, Also, This one's picking up a lot of Willie Beeman steaming. I'm hearing this from sources all over the league. I'm hearing Jake Gensel's name is being floated around, and Kyle Dubas really? is going to have a very tough decision to make. Do we keep Gensel on an eight-year deal and keep him around and really try to go after this with what we have left in terms of this older core of Sid, Malkin, Latang, Or do we get this guy to the open market right around deadline time, and do we move him for you know, the most we can get him for? So that would probably be like a sign and trade, but Vancouver is a team looking to add. And the ties he has with Vancouver, and especially their staff, well, Jimmy Rutherford, who was in Pittsburgh, was a former GM when they won the back-to-back -back mugs. Who was the assistant mm -hmm. coach on that team with Mike Sullivan? Well, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks and Rick Tockett. So keep an eye on this one, fella. Ben Hankinson is his agent over there, Gensel's agent. I think if Pittsburgh and Dubis can't come to terms on what they want to pay a guy like Gensel, if they're moving towards more of a rebuild, I think Gensel will be on the move. I think it's going to be a steep price. I think it'll be a sign and trade. And I think one team really kicking the tires on them 
that I know of is the Vancouver Canucks. So keep an eye on that one, brother. My last little piece from Swishy Scoops, Sean Monahan is inevitable that he will be on the move. GM Kent Hughes has a asking price out there. Seems to be at least a first-round pick. To me, that seems a little bit steep for a guy like that, especially with the double hip surgery. But, you know, a guy that could come onto a cup-contending team, be a third-line like center. He has 31 points, I think, in 46-odd games. So a real solid player playing some of his best hockey in the last few years. Ozzo, that's another name I like for the folks to keep an eye on. Monahan going to cost the team probably a first-round pick. And then Chikrin, I haven't heard a ton on him, but – he had made it pretty clear last year that he does not want to resign with the Ottawa Senators. So now they're looking to move him with one year left on his deal after this year. So that is Swishy Scoops. That's what I got for you people. If I have anything else, obviously you'll hear it from the people's insider from the source, baby, low and slow over here. So what I got there, Ozzo, now getting to the fun part with you, brother. We got one hitters with Ozzo. I got a five or six, an array of questions for you over here, brother. I'm going to shout them out to you. You're going to give me your answers. We're going to start it at the top here, the guy that we just spent a lot of time talking about, Sidney Crosby, over under 50 goals. Ozzo, right now he's got 27 in 47 games. Uh, regretfully, I'm going to have to go under on this one. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right there. UND Sioux, over under four out of six points this weekend against the DU Pioneers. You will be boots on the ground at the Ralph Engelstead Arena, so you will have a front row seat, and we'll talk about that series after. But UND Sioux, over under four out of six from the Pioneers. Over. Love that. This is a yes or no question for you, brother. The Detroit Lions, do they make the Super Bowl? No, they do not, unfortunately. Okay. Going to go with the San Fran Cisco 49ers. That game's at Levi Stadium, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. This one, a guy that might tuck 60 goals this year. He might get it, Azo. He is second in the league right now to none other than Austin Matthews. Sam Reinhart, over 9.5 AAV on his next ticket. So if he signs with the Florida Panthers, we assume he's going to get an eight-year deal. If he signs elsewhere, he goes to UFA, he'll get a seven-year deal. That's just how it works. Will that number be over 9.5 AAV? I mean, that's that's a good chunk of change. I think oh. he's worked his way in over. Wow. Thanks I think so. you're right, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, especially on the open market. He'd be having to take a home count discount, the old trim count, if he uh, signed for anything less than <laughs> 9.5. Now, this one is a dagger. This is a tough one. At least I think so. The Toronto Maple Leafs, do they make the playoff? No. I love it. I love it. I don't think so either. They stink. I don't think they, they do, man. No, they only got Poppy, man. That's all they got. And Nylander's cooled off now. So, I don't know. That'll be interesting. I like that pick. Now, the final one. This one's just totally off the screws but i gotta ask and the people i think will like this one who is our next buddy to get engaged if you're shooting from the hip <laughs> uh, um i'm gonna go with my buddy paul ledoux Oh, God, we lost so many good men out there playing for the Yankees. Yeah, the <laughs> trades and unruly fans. Look, I don't want to talk about it. 
Oh, okay. I don't want to talk about it. It's too much. Paul Ledoux, there goes my hero. Watch him as he burns. Okay, Ozzo, that was One Hitters with Ozzo. As always, brought to you by Mini Movers and Butter Golf. Last little bit on the ice, brother. Down to the Sunshine State. And a guy that is one of the all-time characters to ever lace him up in any of the leagues out there. How about our boy, we have to give some love, the netminder of the Florida Everglades, Cam, a.k.a. Young Stung Boy Johnson. He was once quoted to say, I've played in all three leagues, and this is my favorite one, referring to the ECHL. So <laughs> give some love to Cam Johnson chucking him the other night at center ice because what a fucking beauty that guy is. Oh, my God, I love him. Talk about a movie character, this guy. He is unbelievable. He's always he's always lived his life like a flick, as you know, Jordo. Um, yep. And this guy, he just he keeps he loves the game, man. That's all I can say. I, I I always thought he was kind of a guy who liked being a hockey player versus liked playing hockey, which might still be the case. He might love being a hockey player so much that it just fuels him to continue playing hockey because he's still playing, he's still battling it out in Florida. And I just know this guy's been thinking about this moment his whole career, getting a goalie fight because he loves he loves the lights, he loves the fame, you know he's he's a lights camera action type guy, and he you know I'm just pumped to see him get this fight in. And did you watch the video, Jordo? Before he ties up with the guy, he's laughing. He's laughing oh, his yeah. ass off. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. He knows where the lights are. I mean, he is the to quote the guy himself. He posted an Instagram like two years ago, and he said he was the most dangerous man in Fort Myers because he was like single and he was ripping it up on the ice and off the ice. I mean, this guy's insane. But to back it up, he's won two Kelly Cups. He's won two playoff MVPs. Like, he's a legit goalie. He's a guy that should be getting a look. For sure. Like, he's good. Like, he was in the NHL for a little bit in terms of like a taxi squad. He was backing up a little bit in Columbus during those COVID years. But what a showman he is. I mean, this kid, do you remember him coming into UND his freshman year, like blowing up the group chat? Nobody had ever met him yet. Mm -hmm. Then he's getting on campus, and he's going to frat houses, and he's dropping tracks in the in some guy's little studio, cooking up beats for the fellas. Like, this guy, he's a jack of all trades. He's truly uh, just one of the all-time characters of the game. What was the song we'd always used to bump at Pita Pit where all the older guys would get mad, but I'd go have him put it on in the kitchen? Was it called Hang 8? Head to the yeah, pit, I was like, time hey, to get drunk. Yeah, Hang 8 or something, yeah. Yeah. What was his, oh, what was his name is... again? Young Hung Boy. Was... Yeah, Young Hung Boy. <laughs> yeah, and then I got changed to Young Stung Boy, but he is all time. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Cam Johnson because that guy, you know, when he was chucking him, he was laughing the whole time, thinking, I can't wait to be on Spit and Chicklets. I can't wait for this video to go viral. And he's like, Honestly, I might get a couple of residuals and wherever my side bitches are in the stands, you know, they're loving it too. Cause this guy, he just loves it. He loves everything about it. So my favorite quote from young hung though, all time was I played in all three boys. This is my favorite. <laughs> I played in all three. <laughs> no, four letters is favorite. Oh yeah. That's what he said. The four letter leagues is favorite played in all three boys. The four letters, my favorite. What a fucking beauty that guy is. So, <laughs> that is our last little bit on the ice there, Azo. Uh, great little snap about that. Heading over the gridiron, as we always do. We had some playoff games this weekend. The Lions, now that team I am on the bandwagon with. 
Swish's pick, that one hit, that was minus six in a hook. I got it. They took the screws to Tampa Bay. Great win. Dan Campbell, Marshall Mathers in the building again. A lot of Detroit legends in terms of Lions players and just people around the city. Azo, you should have just stuck to your guns. You had the Packers. You hit on that one. Mm -hmm. You knew it was 20 points. And then you decided to take Texans money line. And that just was not perfect. But we're not perfect over here. So I know we touched a little bit about, you know, kind of both these games in the pre-show, but earlier but just touch on that texans game because lamar jackson big trust got it done man those boys and those boys those boys in baltimore they're firing right now i mean they're you know i i doubted them i shouldn't have doubted them they got a harbaugh they got lamar jackson uh they've got a great defense yeah i mean i think right now you got to have them as the super bowl favorites probably so I don't know why I bet against them. I just kind of doubted Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, and I look like an idiot now. Yeah, I mean, we're listen, we're not perfect over here at Live and Five, but Lamar Jackson, I really hope they can beat the Chiefs. Why do I hate Taylor Swift so much, bro? Can you explain this to me? She didn't do anything wrong to me. I didn't have a vendetta out for her maybe ever in my life. It just seems like the attention she is now tapping into the football space bothers me. And as a guy with probably too big of an ego. Why does that bother me, though? It shouldn't bother me, but it does. I'm pissed off. Like, I, I just hate yeah. seeing her mug all over the place. Like, when I see Jason Kelsey I, cheering his butt on, I love it. But then I see Taylor Swift, I'm like, well, fuck that, man. Like, get this girl. I know. She's got enough time. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's just me. Just being an asshole. I, I, I feel the same way, and I couldn't, I couldn't really describe why I felt that way. Right. But I, I, I got down to it, though. I think the reason why I feel that way is her fans are like all of her fans. They, they're like the stereotypical Karen, you know, the girl that grows up to be a Karen in the grocery store. That's yep. all of her fans. So, like, she brings all of her fans everywhere with her. And I think that kind of makes me resent her a little bit where I, you know, Personally, with Taylor Swift, I have no, I have nothing against her. She, she's really done nothing wrong to me, said anything wrong. It's just I do kind of resent her because of her bringing her fans everywhere, and I just don't love her fan base, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I don't like her, but that seems like a little bit of a, a me and a we issue. So, again, she is way cooler than we will ever be, Ozzy, so we'll leave it at that. But I got my ski mask, Ozzy, in prep for Sunday's matchup. I am fully on the Detroit Lions bandwagon. I went on Amazon today, as you know, earlier in the season. They said that memo out to all their fans, a couple of their players. We're going ski mask game, baby. We got the blue, the royal blue ski mask. So I bought mine. I hope mine shows up in time on Sunday because I'll be licking my wounds from a Hockey Night in Scottsdale show coming back on Saturday, going right to the couch chin tucked pedals up with my ski mask on just sitting there by myself so fired up for that brother again i am going to take this week obviously just saying all that i'm staying on detroit money line how nails is that plus two six i love that and i'm also taking the under the over under is 50 and a hook i just think brock Purdy stinks and i think detroit's gonna come out with a win somewhere like 28 28 <laughs> 17, somewhere in there. If that gets me under, I think it does. So something like that, just under it, I think it's going to be a Detroit win. I think Goff's going to do it. And just last little bit on that, did you see that Eminem pick of the meme that has been going around is all time, like Goff and the fellas rolling into the NFC Championship game? It's yeah. like E-Rabbit and all the boys from 8 Mile, like Cheddar Bob and then the fellas. <laughs> that, that picture is so, so good. Oh, rolling up to the trailer park. So 
That is who I'm rolling with. I love this steamer on Detroit. As you know, Ozzy, big Detroit guy over here. I would love to be imported from the city of Detroit. So what do you got for your pick, brother, heading into NFC and AFC Championship Weekend? Yeah, I just think I got to, you know, stop messing around. And they're giving Patrick Mahomes three and a half points in Baltimore. And I'm going to take it. You know, I think maybe hopefully Baltimore wins by three and I win the bet. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but I just can't keep betting again. You can't keep betting against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the playoffs. You just can't do it. No, I think you are completely right and safe there. So, again, fuck. I mean, I just hope Baltimore can do it. I love Lamar Jackson. Do you see that Kodak Black? He threw out a an Instagram from jail. He's watching. He said he was watching <laughs> Lamar Jackson like he's in the penthouse. Big so trust. Funny. Yeah, it's unreal, but <laughs> big trust. Selly of the week, brother. Would you have there, and would you have cooking for that? Yeah, I had. Um... For my favorite Sully of the week, I'm going to go Igor Zamula on the Philadelphia Flyers. He does the Yager salute after one of his goals. Um, thought that was a good tribute to Yarmir Yager. And then I also had one from an NFL game, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the cornerback for the Detroit Lions, picks off Baker Mayfield and flips the ball to him after he picks it off and gets tackled out of bounds, finds Baker, flips the <laughs> ball to him. Unbelievable. And before the game, before the game, this this same quarterback kind of chirped Baker Mayfield out of nowhere. He's just like, yeah, I don't know. You've been watching the tape like this guy sucks. He's just got good weapons like that's it. So he chirped Baker Mayfield, picks him off, throws the ball back to him. I mean, ultimate villain move. I actually I'm a huge Bake Show guy, so I didn't really love it. But that's nail gun, baby. And that's a great celebration. That is a great celebration. Both great ones there. I didn't see that Yager salute, so I'm going to have to go rewatch the tape there, fella. But staying in Philadelphia, last night, Azo against the San Antonio Spurs, Joel the Process Embiid is such a beauty. So he drops a 70-piece on the Spurs Monday night and then goes on the record. Some guy pulled him. A, I don't know if it was a reporter, maybe a coach on the team, but I saw this video of Embiid. And the guy asked him, like, hey, what went into that 70-point performance? Like, or how good do you feel? He goes, yeah, I finally learned how to pass the ball. It's like, dude, you just dropped 70, and that's what you say? Like, so nails. I love that. Like, just so cocky. That guy is such a oh, yeah. oh, God, it was so cocky. So I love that. I finally learned how to pass the ball. Well, fella, you just dropped a 70-piece on him. So I don't know if you're passing the rock, but that was hilarious. So that was my story of the week. Like, come on. Like, really? So, so good. That, that was great. He He's such a troll, so I, I love that guy. He's hilarious. And then my nail gun of the week, I mean, how how could you not? I, I have to stay on. I was looking around for nail guns, but, like, how do I not give it to the young Stung? How do I not give it to CJ down in Florida after a goalie fight? Chucking him from both sides. So I think he's the live and five nail gun of the week, unless you had someone else, Ozzo. Who else did you have? Do you have anyone else? Yeah, no. I had, I had camera, obviously, and then um, I was also going to throw – John C. Gardner Johnson and they're the Lions. My celebration also. Nails yep. play to pick nails play to pick him off and throw the ball back. You can only do that if you're a nail gun. So he was also kind of my second because I, I had cameras, my number one as well. So yeah. Yeah, I think that consensus over here at Live and Five, Cam Johnson 
the pride of the dirty, baby. Troy, Michigan is the live and five unanimous nail gun of the week. Chucking them from both sides. Goalie tilt down there and the easy come hard to leave. So, Cameron, if you're listening, brother, you are a beauty, a certified beauty, if you will. Azo, last little bit, Butter Golf. Again, I mentioned at, at the start of the episode, teamed up with Just Dishin. Those boys have been taking over the hockey merch industry. They have a collection with the Chicago Blackhawks. They're boys based out of Buffalo, do a lot of cool stuff, a lot of innovative new designs. We teamed up with an official All-Star Game shirt. So check that out on the Butter site, the Butter socials. It's on our Instagram. It's on the Just Dishin account. So really cool. Hopefully get some All-Stars. Like the man himself coming on our show. Brock Besser will be joining us next. Ozzy, it is a all-star edition over here at Live and Five. It was great to chat with Bess. He was a little sleepy Joe, if you will, before the episode, but I think we cheered him up to a point where he got some laughs. So <laughs> yeah. That was a great little snap we had with Bess. So that's coming up next, folks. Again, as always, the pre-show and our interviews brought to you by Mini Movers and Butter Golf. Without further ado, we'll send it over to Brock Besser, number six of the Vancouver Canucks, having a great season up there in the Pacific Northwest. An all-star heading to Toronto in just about a week's time when this drops. So, Ozzy, I love you, brother. Tape to tape, brother. Snapping it around. D to D. Have a great time in Grand Forks. We will chat when you get back, and uh, we'll go from there, brother. But I always love chatting it up and uh, snapping around with you, baby. Fuck yeah. Alrighty, folks. Now introducing from the middle-class suburb streets of Burnsville, Minnesota. This guy loves his hair more than most white chicks love a Starbucks caramel macchiato. It is believed he puts nothing but Jurgen's lotion and a touch of L.A. looks in his lion's mane, head of lettuce. But he will have a confirmed off-air discussion about that. Standing at a modest six feet one inches and clocking in at a sub 200 pounds, the veteran of 442 National Hockey League games and counting just got named to his second All-Star game. A lover of dogs, his boats, and the Mystic Lake Casino Players Suite, this seven-year veteran is quite the stick on the golf course, despite only driving the ball 225 yards. <laughs> Take the head cover off, fella! But as your Uncle Switch would say, brother, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. And this guy shows up in style. Folks, without further ado, please welcome... Prior Lake's finest, Brock Besser for the Live and Five podcast. Bess, how we doing, fella? It's nice to see you, baby. It's good to see you guys, too. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited to talk to you, fellas. Yeah, no. Are um, you? Yeah. Are you, <laughs> Bess? I mean, come on. Cheer up here. We were talking to Bess before the show. You know, he's a little sleepy, a little sleepy Joe. He just had a long uh, road trip with the Canucks, but... Thank you for coming on and taking the time, Bess. I know you've been begging to come on, so we were like, hey, talk to Ozzy the other day. He's like, we could probably squeeze him on for 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> minutes, bottom six minutes over here at Live and Five. Hey, buddy, come on. Sure thing. You just got me into the All-Star game. Finally, you're uh, you're allowed to come on. So, no, it's uh, it's awesome to have you here, Bess. And I just want to get uh, started off the top with you. I mean, the season in Vancouver, it's going obviously really well. And, uh, you know, it's a quite the turnaround from you guys last year in terms of just what the vibe is, the mojo. Looks like Talk has that thing on the rails. So 
what do you think the biggest difference for you, not only personally, but the team? It just seems like you guys have a really good group there now and everyone kind of believes in, you know, playoff hockey come April time. Yeah, I think um, ever since talk came in last year, um, we just kind of we wanted to set a standard of Canuck hockey and you know what it's like to play Canucks hockey. And, you know, we were obviously lost for a bit there and we weren't playing the right way and we weren't playing, you know, what it takes to win in this league. And I think talk did a great job of kind of setting that standard um, when he came in last year. And, um, you know, he talked with uh, all the guys returning after the year last year and kind of set the tone on what he expects from us and, you know, how hard uh, we need to work in the summer and when we when he thinks we should come in before the year to kind of bond as a team to get ready for the year and get ready for camp. And, um, you know, I think we all kind of took that to heart and uh, we all got here like three weeks early and skated together for a while before camp. And I think that that was a big reasoning on why we had a, such a hot start at the beginning of the year. For sure. Brock, I wanted to ask, you know, obviously you're having an unbelievable season so far this year. Um, you know, what goes, is this kind of the way the cookie crumbles when you're playing in the national, like, you know, some seasons go your way, you get some bounces, you score some goals, other seasons don't, or did you do something different coming into this season throughout the summer that's kind of changed who you are as a player, or is it just you're healthier, you're, you're playing like what, what is it? Yeah. I mean, I think I've openly talked to, you know, like the media here in Vancouver about, um, kind of my kind of what I went through last the last few years, I think just mentally, um, you know, just, you know, with the, the side stuff with my dad and all that, I think uh, that mental aspect of things is, uh, you know, it was hard to come to the rink sometimes last year. And, um, you know, I think just with any person, when you're going through something in life and, um, you know, you, you don't feel like going to work. And I, I think I kind of was like that and, you know, didn't really have that drive and motivation, which, uh, you know, obviously is, is tough when you play in the National Hockey League. So, um, you know, I think uh, I kind of got over that at the end of last year and, you know, worked through some things and then had a, you know, great summer training. I, you know, my team wanted me to work with a new trainer. So I, I did that and I started, I only took two weeks off after the year ended and had a good, long, hard uh, summer of training and uh, worked really hard and came back and, and felt great and um, kind of just felt like it was uh, – just hit the reset button and, and really wanted to look forward and look past of, you know, my last few years. And so far everything's uh, gone way better than I would have expected. Yeah. Bess, I wanted to ask you, you know, with talk coming in last year and getting adjusted and acclimated to the new systems and different things like that, obviously Nikki had played for him down here in Arizona. He really liked talk, especially day to day. You know, I think they struggled just in terms of what they went through on the ice here. You had the bubble, the team in Arizona wasn't in a situation like you guys are in Vancouver right now. But, you know, talk really pushed the envelope in terms of trying to get this team over the hump. But he really respected him as a guy. And as he calls himself and people around the league, I mean, this guy's a legend of the game. He's the real rocket for the reason, you know, over a thousand games, almost a thousand points. So what's it like just even hanging out with talk on a day-to-day basis? Is he pretty loose around the room or is he pretty tight and kind of has that fine line between players coach, but also, you know, knowing when to lay the law? No, I think he's been great. Um, you know, he hasn't really yelled at us much. Um, I know there's been a few times where, uh, you know, he was uh, pretty, he's gotten mad at us, but like, you know, it's it's fair when he gets mad at us, you know, if we're playing sh- shitty or, or whatever it is. But, um, no, he's been great. He's a, he's a guy that communicates well with all of us players. 
Um, he's a very smart guy, very detailed guy. He's he's one of the first guys on the ice that practices. You know, he's he's out there working with, you know, whatever guy wants to do some drills with them. So, um, you know, he really pushes guys to to get better and, and works with guys to make sure that, um, you know, they're they're playing the right way. And you know, even if you know a guy's going through something, he'll get out there and help him. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And one other guy in that coaching staff is Adam Foot. And Footer was a guy that used to work with my agency back in the day. He was like a, a D coach or a D whisper, if you will. I would have a lot of conversations with Footer, especially trying to make that step between, you know, the AHL to the NHL and then going from a healthy scratch, trying to insert myself in the lineup. But Footer one year, I just have a quick story for you, Best. When Footer used to run this defensive coach or this D camp for us, and he was a defensive coach just kind of in and around Denver. And it was actually at the University of Denver, right on their Denver on their campus there at their rink, Magnus Arena. And it was like me, Truba, uh, Gustav Olofsson, some of these other guys that were, were playing kind of in the NHL, the AHL at the time. But Footer would run us through this three- or four-day camp where it would be skate in the morning and then maybe a golf or a workout and then go back to the rink. And then I think it was the last day of the camp. Footer took us over to his country club. I think it was Cherry Hills or Cherry Creek. And he's like, Schmaltzy the whole day. He's like, Schmaltzy, you're going to be on my cart. You're going to be on my cart. Once we get done with this fucking skate in the morning, you're on my cart. So he absolutely begged us in the morning. We did all these defensive drills, a lot of footwork stuff, some agility, some puck handling. We go over to this golf course, Cherry Hills, and we get on the cart. And Footer is making me have like almost a beer a hole with him. It's like to the point where I may be eight or nine deep and it's hole like 15. And I'm like, oh my God, like, we got to go back to the rink. He's like, well, kid, you got to sometimes you got to learn how to play buzz. So we went back to the <laughs> rink. We did a bunch of skating work and he's like snapped right into professional mode. It's like, dude, I know you're buzzed right now. I'm half shit faced out here now. But we're doing like, you know, cutbacks. We're doing agility work. So he's just as old school as it comes. So I just touch on footer a little bit because that guy is an absolute beauty. Not that he's doing it out there, but he's just yeah. one of those guys that's very smart, but also old school. I mean, cup winner, captain of teams. Like he's just a fucking nail gun. I love that guy. Oh yeah, he's a nail gun, and you know, our whole staff's been great. And you know, just to get Footer on board last year, he's he's such a smart guy, and obviously, you know, he's a legend. And you know, our all our D respect him, and he works with them, you know, every day. Um, you know, whatever it is, breakouts, shooting the puck. Uh, you know, he's always out there with those guys and and communicating, showing video to those guys. But you know, he's a beauty. Um, obviously, we don't get to see uh, him like that when he was uh, you know shooting it with you on the course, but um yeah he's been great for us and he's a player's coach for sure yeah i just remember he had just the funniest golf swing too because he can barely move his shoulders i mean the guy was known <laughs> for just a steel chin step up in the neutral zone blow a guy up like he would just absolutely just goodwill bunting that ball just like cock it and just kind of bunt it down there and like somehow get up and down for like par it was crazy the guy was just a winner but yeah, a guy that I really respect, and like you said, he's so smart, best with the D. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the whole National Hockey League. The things that he taught me, I mean, you couldn't really teach this guy defense over here at Swiss because all I wanted to do is make the last man back toe drag, but he <laughs> is so smart with it and just one of the more intelligent guys I've ever talked to. Just the little things inside the game that um, mm -hmm. I took a lot from him, but best seems like you personally, brother, like Gage touched on. I mean, all-star nomination, that's unbelievable. That's your second one. We said that in the intro. Just really cool to see you succeed. I know it's been a long kind of journey through the last two years with a lot you've gone through. So tip my cap to you, bro. But 27 goals through just 44 games, you should surpass that career high of 29 with ease. Now, just looking ahead, you know, playing with some of these guys and especially the power play. One guy that I think is sneakily underrated, he plays on that 
one-timer side is this Philip Hronick. I played against him in the jungle. I played against him a little bit in Detroit. I mean, he's got an absolute piss missile over there, doesn't he? Just on the left side. Like, how fast does he shoot that thing? It's got to be over 105. I mean, he's tickling the ceiling, and that thing's coming in hot. Oh, it's it's a cannon. And, you know, anytime, you know, even five on five, you, you give Quinn the puck, and, you know, they always switch up top. And anytime Phil's winding up, we all stand up on the bed because we think it's going in every time. But, um, yeah, he's a he's a beauty. And, uh, you know, we, we traded for him last year. We didn't. Um, see much from last year, and then he played a few games with us. But you know, just seeing him and Quinn having so much success this year has been great, and you know, it's really been driving our team. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That guy, how do you how do you like stand in front of the net when he's out there? Like, are you are you grabbing kind of the the cup area and like you know, <laughs> putting your hand in your face? Like, I'm not I'm not eating one of these. Like, how do you get down and block one of those? I mean, yeah. Usually I'm F three, so I'm just trying to get open for those two, but. You know, sometimes it's hard and to read when those two are. Best is half-cocked every time <laughs> yeah, he's got the yeah. puck, too. I'm trying to get cocked, too, with him. But, <laughs> no, him and Quinn up there, you know, I don't know how much games you watch of ours, but um, they're always just buzzing around up by the blue line and making crazy plays. So it's kind of hard to read where you need to go. But, um, yeah, anytime Phil winds up, uh, it definitely takes some, some balls to stand in front of that one. Yeah, that guy has a – I mean, he shoots it like that Marty Furk in the jungle. Just, yeah, I think he's Czech as well. Those guys just, they just absolutely lean into him. But best right now, I got my jungle all-star jersey on right now. Shout out to Swish. How you doing? Utica comments. Uh, not quite the NHL all-star game where you're headed to in Toronto. But I wanted to ask you, Bess, you're going to the all-star game. Obviously, it's a huge honor, and it's a very big privilege to be recognized as one of the league's best and amongst some of the best players in the world. It's got to be a true honor, but are you thinking at the same time, like, fuck, you know, I could be down in Cabo on a 50-foot yacht right now, snapping it around with my buddies, or is it truly just an honor to go play with the best players, be showcased? Because it's got to be that, right, in terms of going to get to Toronto and, and just be on the biggest stage of hockey. Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, you know, me and my girlfriend are actually still going to go to the Bahamas, but we got to cut the vacation down in a few days. But um, then again, I think it's just, you know, after everything I've gone through it, and how hard I've worked, I think it's just, uh, you know, very cool that I made and got voted in with my teammates. And um, you know, I think it's going to be a blast just having four other guys from my team there with talk. Um, it should be a, a good, fun weekend and, um, you know, a memory that will last a lifetime. It's going to be a little different than your first time around at the NHL All-Star Game because now, you know, you've, you were an MVP of the All-Star Game. You're coming into this one. Like, are you walking into that arena? Are you walking into that rink? Like, you're hooking into the ox. Like, this is kind of my locker room. I'm an ex-MVP of the All-Star Game. Like, I'm the big dog. Like, I got a big chest walking around here. Like, you know, like, you've always got a pen in your hand. You're just signing guys' T-shirts as they're walking by. Like, oh, sorry, but he thought you wanted an autograph. Like, is that kind of your mindset coming into this All-Star Game? Because you, you do have an MVP of that game. Yeah, I mean... Um, definitely won't be acting that way, but my MVP last time was because it's a fan vote too. So <laughs> Vancouver's got a great market. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I'm definitely, my, my tail is going to be between my legs for you know, the first few days there. But, uh, I think the skills competition is a little different. I think only 12 guys are competing, which is awesome for the other guys yeah. who just get to sit there and watch. So that'll be fun. So you're not, you don't have to participate in the skills contest. They got it picked out already in terms of who's doing what to the hardest shot, the fastest skater. You don't have to do any of that. You got to be doing accuracy yeah. shooting or something like that, right? 
Well, as as what I understand understand as of now, I think it's just twelve guys are doing competing against each other, and they're doing like four of the six events against each other, and it's like a point system. Okay. And then I think like the top six guys move on and do another like obstacle course or one on one with the goalie, and then I think the winner of who gets the most points out of those guys wins a million bucks or something. Okay. So I, I don't and, think I don't think I think it's only twelve all stars out of the what forty gotcha. or whatever it is. And then it's they're doing they're going back to the draft right in terms of picking players. So hopefully you don't go full full Philly Kessel and get the Kia Sorento right. I don't think they're doing that yeah, though take, anymore. I'll right? Take it. I'll you take, take the Kia, right? <laughs> give it to Jess Best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think they're doing that though in terms of like you can't get drafted last. I think it's like the last two or something. They don't want to make anyone feel bad. It's you know it's kind of up with the times but so you're going to be going to you're going to snap it around the bahamas for a little bit best and then you're going to go into toronto or are you doing it vice versa you have to go to toronto first and have a few days on the back side of that no we're going uh, uh bahamas first and then to toronto and then um you know us guys got to meet the team in carolina after break gotcha does this best does this all-star break feel a little a little different just the way the season's been going for the canucks so far like typically you know you've kind of been on teams that haven't been as good, you've, you've probably enjoyed the all-star break, but I feel like, you know, sometimes when you're on a roll and you've got a first-place team, maybe you're like, fuck, I kind of just want to keep playing. That's probably not the case, but, like, is this a little different feel heading into the all-star break with, you know, you're in the first you're in first place in, what, the Pacific? So it's a it's a different it's a different period than you've ever been It's in. way different, way different. Um, I mean, you know, usually for – I mean, obviously, this is like the first year we've been, you know, really winning hockey games in my seven years here. So, you know, in the, you know, in other years, it's like you get to all star break or the, you know, just the break, and it's just like a nice time to relax and kind of reset for the last uh, part of the year. But you know, this time it's uh, we're going like the season's flying by. Like we're having so much fun, so it's a lot different. Like it hasn't been dragging on. I can't believe it's already Jan- mid January. So uh, it's been a blast, but. No, I think the break will be good for our team. Um, we'll come out, out of it, have a nice road trip, and I think we're home pretty much all of March. So um, I think that will be a, a huge month for us to continue to push and and keep winning hockey games and really set us up for the playoffs. Best, I know you guys just got off a long road trip, and we appreciate you doing this. But one question I just wanted to ask you about the road is – Where's your favorite road city to play, maybe hang out, maybe grab some grapes and a steak dinner the night before? Where are you going in? You're like, fuck, you know, I've had some success here. I like playing here. The Bright Lights. Is it MSG? Is it LA? Where are these cities that you love to go into? You just got a good vibe. You got your spot before the game. Then you're going into warm-ups. You're high-stepping around. You're looking around. (laughs) Maybe no bucket warm-up, looking at your fucking lion's mane in the glass hand fella. I might have two and one tonight. (laughs) Uh, I think you hit it spot. I think it's MSG. Um, anytime you can go to New York for a few days and, um, you know, there's so many great spots you can go have a nice dinner with the, with the boys. And, and, uh, you know, then when you you play at MSG, it's just historic and iconic that it's, uh, you know, I always get fired up for that one. And, um, you know, yeah, we just played there, I think a couple of weeks ago. So I got to bury one uh, there, which was, which is special in my opinion. Absolutely. And like, who is your, who's the dinner crew you're hanging out with the night before the game? I know a lot of teams, some, sometimes you do, you know, the team meals or you have a bigger group, but usually it's like three or four guys. Maybe it's five guys. Who are the guys that you're kind of hanging around with? You're like, okay, one guy's picking the spot. We're all meeting in the lobby before. Maybe we'll go have one beer before whatever it is. Or where are you guys 
going and, and who's that group that you're kind of hanging out with on your team? Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, honestly, we have such a, we have such a great group of guys and um, you know, some nights it, it, it'll be six and some nights it'll be 12. Like we, we always just invite each other and um, it, it always varies, but yeah, we always, you know, we always, we always go to steakhouses and um, that's, I mean, I think everyone pretty much goes to a steakhouse when they go out to eat, but uh, we, we snapped it at Tao when we were in New York and yeah. there's about 10 of us. And, um, you know, I think, you know, guys like Mizey, Millsy, Demmer, Roney, Kohler, um, you know, Petey was there, Huggy comes. So, yeah, we got a great group of guys and, um, yeah, I think the, the dinners are pretty fun. Yeah, I think that's like the best part about it, especially just the night before the games and yeah. hanging out with the fellas and then, you know, maybe greasing a road win out. But, Bess, have you been able to get any sun there, brother, in Vancouver? It rains a lot. We might have to get you to send you down to Scottsdale sometime here soon after the season, whenever it ends. Because, you know, I'm a big believer if you can't tone it, tan it, brother. But you're, you you got to get that pale skin, a little golden bronze. So I'm hoping you get some sunshine there in the Bahamas because we need to get Brock Besser looking midseason with that tan, especially going in the second half of the season. You're feeling good. Maybe tucking another 20. Yeah, this, this weather in Vancouver has been pretty rough. I think, you know, everywhere it's been warm. So, right. When it's warm in the winter in Vancouver, it rains, and uh, I'd, I'd prefer snow. I'd rather have it be cold and and more snow on the ground just for just for the dog's sake, so I don't have to wipe their muddy paws every time I take them out. But um, it's getting a little colder here. We're supposed to get some snow over the next few days, which will be a nice change up. Absolutely, yeah. and and Bess, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you're a member now. Let's get off a little bit of the hockey talk, just more so in the lifestyle stuff. You're now a member at the coveted Hazeltine. In Minnesota, Johnny Showtime, as I'd like to call you over here. But every time I've been in Minnesota the last year, it's like, oh my God, the course is closed, or there's men's night, or <laughs> Barack Obama's in town, so the whole place is shut down. It's like, are you ever going to let me come out there? Or are we just going to be playing these goat farms around, you know, the greater Minneapolis area? I guess we got one round at Mystic and maybe that one at Winsong, but when are you going to have the fellas out to Hazel team, bro? Come on. I don't think it's anything against you, Jordo. I think it's just, <laughs> I think I only played nine times at Hazel team last summer. Did you? tough. Like, yeah, only nine times last summer, which isn't enough. I got to get out there more often. Um, I just had a crazy summer. And, um, you know, I play with uh, a couple other guys, Casey Milstead, Brian Lindgren, and then um, and my financial advisor belongs there too. So we, we golf together. But, you know, when our schedules aren't clicking up, it's, uh, it's tough to get out there because I don't know that many other members. And a lot of my buddies just like to play local courses. Like like you said, we like to snap it at, at Meadows. And, yeah. Uh, and have some fun there oh yeah that, that can you can slash it all around there but just take and taking you back to that round we had before the morgan wallen concert it was me <laughs> nikki my brother my dad fuzzy and you and we were playing what was that guy's name again rick helling he was a former baseball yeah. player mlb player he actually went to north dakota he was a pitcher though in the mlb i don't know if he won a world series or not maybe one <laughs> but that day it was like mid-may and it was the most miserable day ever it was like 37 degrees it was rainy it was cold i ended up like not i cheaped out in the in the pro shop because i didn't have a jacket and i was like fuck yeah. it i'm just gonna battle and i just wore my polo shirt the whole day <laughs> and there was wind just coming across your chin Do you remember how fucking miserable that was but nick wanted to keep playing because he was having a good round going yeah. and i'm sitting there like jesus christ brock let's get the hell out of here i mean you I ended was... up like uh you didn't play too many holes because you're i think it was maybe I like was. yeah you're something was bothering you or whatever it was yeah. and i went out the night before i'm like just get us off the course holy fuck oh. 
It was, it was awful. So playing wind song. Was, playing wind yeah. song, Ozzy. It was almost so like windy. it was to the point where it was like almost snowing out. It was so cold, but it was that rain that just kept peppering you right across the face. It was oh, it, it was, was horrible. Windy. It was like by hole four, me and Jordan tapped out. We were like, Nikki, we're ready to go if you want to go. But Nikki's like fucking even. Yeah. Excuse, excuse my French. <laughs> Nikki's even after four in this wind and um in the rain and you know we battled it all we went we played nine we won the clubhouse for like an hour and a half had some lunch and then yeah. we went back out for the back nine it's actually pretty nice and it, it stopped raining the sun came out and it was uh it was a nice round after that yeah so ozzy i finally convinced these assholes of being my brother nick and my dad i was like hey boys like we got to go in and take a little breather here we're getting absolutely bent over on this track and especially just i was so goddamn cold i think i had fucking hypothermia so we go to the clubhouse we regrouped for about two hours. We had this long lunch. And all of a sudden, by the grace of God, the sun starts coming up. And we we were hosting the Irish coffees. We were having the old fashions. And we're like, you know, six or seven old fashions deep at this point. Because it was a two and a half hour lunch. And we're like, okay, boys, should we go back out there? <laughs> and me and, Beth were like, me and Beth were like, you know, I will if you will. And Nick's like, well, I want to play. And I'm like, well, Beth, if you go, I go. And Beth is like, well, I'm not going to really swing. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll go. Ozzy, we were having the course bring us out old fashions from the bar every other hole, like the cube in it, the one rock in the styrofoam cup. It was unbelievable. I never drank old fashions on the course no. before until that day. It was unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. <laughs> like they got the cherry in there, the bitters. I was like, the orange peel. I'm like, fella, grab another one, go dust it off I'm in the middle of the fairway. I walked off that course. I couldn't see straight. That was a great night. Yeah, just it was, straight uh, whiskey on the course. <laughs> oh yeah, and we parlayed that into the uh, Morgan Wallen concerts. We went and showered up. Uh, we were staying at some ratchet hotel downtown Minneapolis. I think it was the Holiday Inn. Best was staying with me. Put the shit kickers on and headed over to U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> oh, oh it was unbelievable. But was what a fucking days. day. Yeah, those are. Yeah. Uh, that's why you. That's why you play the game right there. So. Um, Ozzy, do you have anything else left for Bess? I, I know he's got a little time constraint here. He's got in the middle of, you know, yeah. a couple different things in terms of, I'm not sure he's got to get going, but, um, man, Bess, thank you for, uh, for coming to hang out with the boys at live and five. Again, you're going to the all-star game in a couple weeks here. We'll drop that right before then, but, um, you're having a great season, brother. It's great to see, obviously keep ripping that pill, baby. Stay crispy up there in Vancouver and, when you get down to the desert, I'm not sure. Do you know when you're coming down here at all in terms of when you're playing? Uh, I think it's like late March, early April. Late March? Okay. So I'll have to be make sure I'm boots on the ground at the iconic mullet to, to check out the six car out there, snapping it around a spectacle <laughs> of somewhere under 4,500 people. So that'll yeah. be awesome. Nice yeah, Bess, I had before. one more question. I had one more question for you. Um, he's now a teammate. But my God, we used to hate this guy in college. He played for the Bulldogs out of Duluth. His name's Carson Soucy, a defenseman. Does this guy, you know, he comes in. I actually think Seuss is a great guy. I've heard good things. But, you know, does this guy come in? Do you have a little bit of vendetta against him? Like, fuck this guy, fucking piece of shit Bulldog. Is, like, is, is that kind of, is that over with? This guy's <laughs> is he, yeah. man. He's a beauty and he is such a solid defenseman, man. He's so good and he's been so good for our team. So, yeah. no, I chirp him. I chirp him how I used to roast him in the college days. Yeah, you got to give him a little stuff. bit. Oh, for sure, yeah. But, no, he's a great guy. Best, where's uh, where's dinner at tomorrow night with Nikki in Van City? You got it picked out yet, or are you oh, still no. getting something booked? I think I think Nikki wants a steakhouse, so we just got to pick which one. 
You're gonna take him to the keg. You know, yeah, hey boys, my treat. Well. <laughs> 40, 40 my treat. Off. Take him to the keg. Yeah. <laughs> my treat, save boys. Some, save some money. Yeah, save some money. Sorry, boys. Uh, you take it to the keg. Times are tough over here. I'm only dusting <laughs> off the Amex gold. I'm leaving the platinum at home. Fucking <laughs> government's oh. taking half my money. Oh. oh, no, that's awesome. But best, no, we'll have to get you on again, brother. We seriously appreciate you coming on, taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule. You just got back from a road trip. That's a long bird. You were coming off of yesterday, coming out of Pittsburgh. So. We thank you again. Folks, again, that was Brock Besser, head of the All-Star Game this year, Vancouver Canuck forward, number six, UND product and the pride of Burnsville, Minnesota. Folks, low and slow over here at 93.1 and live in five. Azo, Bess, thanks, boys. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Bess. Because we all just want to be big rock stars and living hilltop bosses driving 15 cars. The girls come.